When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Welcome to the Nerd Party. Space, the Nerd Party's dedicated Doctor Who podcast. I'm Jessica Nunn. And I'm her husband and co-host, Philip Gilfus. Well, we had a time. We had a time. Yes. There was a time. Yeah. So our Doctor Who stuff, what'd you see? Did you see any? We had a lot of doctors walking around the con that we were at. Yes. Cosplay. (laughs) Can't think of anything really other than doctors. Yeah, I was just trying to think. Did we see a Clara? We did. Oh, yeah, you're right. We did see a Clara. Um, A lot of 11s, a lot of 10s, a few 13s. Yes. That was about it. A 4, I did see a 4th Doctor. Aliens or monsters, I didn't see Not really. A A lot of TARDIS dresses. Yeah, a lot of TARDIS dresses. There was one Dalek I think we saw. I think we saw one Dalek. Sure. (laughs) I might be making it up. (laughs) And, of course, we had our photo taken with David Tennant. Yes. So it was, you know, only a couple seconds, but he seemed very nice. Yes. Perfectly friendly. It's such a, you know, right, go. <laughs> Get in there. He says, hi. You smile, and you're off again. It's, it's yeah, insane. Yeah. So, yeah. So uh, we did see a little video of him the day earlier with him and Catherine Tate. So they seem to have a lot of fun, as I'm sure they always are wont to do. Yes, so, yeah. wandering through crowds. It was it was packed. Mm-hmm. Well, for this week, since we had some travel time on our hands, we got to listen to different things and watch different things. But we're going to be talking about a topic that actually was your idea, and that is the Paternoster Gang. Yes, are you going to tell people the new thing you've learned today? Yeah, so just about the entomology of the street. It's definitely the etymology. It's got nothing to do with the insects. Doesn't it? No. Doesn't it? It doesn't. Um, but we were listening to, uh, I forget what we were listening to, something. Church. Oh, ch- yeah, church. We were at church. Yes. I knew it was church related, but uh, yeah, I was listening to a sermon and they were talking about Pater Nostra, the Latin, um, our father, and of course the Anglization is Pater Noster. Oh, uh, yeah. Our Father Street. So yep. there you go. Yeah. I love that you didn't know that. Yeah. So, yeah. So, we'll be talking about the Our Father Street Gang. Yeah. Um, no. I like it. I like it. <laughs> so, uh, we all know who they are, but let's just go through them. We have Madame Vastra. Yes. Jenny. Yes. And Strax. Yes. So, what is it that about this trio that, that uh, you wanted to talk about? I just love them so much. 
so very much. I feel like they need their own spinoff. Right. Because it's just such a nice combination. First of all, of course, I always like the idea that the aliens are not the villains, necessarily. Right. That's that's one of my favorite things in Doctor Who, when, the, when that's the thing, that it's not the aliens who are the bad guys. So you've got that. Madame Vastra is just the epitome of cool. I mm-hmm. want to be her when I grow up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I need a few million years, right. but I'll and get a, there. And a veil. And a veil. Right. I, I can buy the veil. I mean, I, I can get that off Amazon, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and she's just so straight-faced. I was going to say straight, and that... <laughs> <laughs> less so. Less, less straight-faced, you know. She is... She is not she doesn't suffer fools gladly well she has this this sort of not even poshness but this dignity about her you know she's sort of the serenity yeah a, a primness but not in a negative way um you know you feel like you probably she has really good posture um yes. yeah and sure. uh but she but she handles everyone sort of in a posh manner but she also gives room so for instance when Strack's saying something weird she doesn't mean like, oh, Strax, you're stupid. She's like, well, let's try another. You know, that's a good suggestion, <laughs> right? So um, maybe later. What can we we'll do see. that doesn't involve firepower? Right. So she's basically like, uh, you know, this really nice teacher. Yes. Who's very, you know, I'm going to show you as a role model how you should be, but I am also going to listen to you and, and nod. And, you know, okay, that's very good, very good. But how about this, though? I will also kill you if I have to. <laughs> Regretfully. Exactly. Of course. Well, I think the thing about, I'm trying to remember the actress's name, Neve, I don't know. But anyway. Neve sounds right. Yes. Yeah. Is that it's interesting, you know, she's a Scottish actress, how she turns that, that Scottish part of her accent into that sort of posh part. Mm. She sort of just changes that wavelength. So it's an English accent, but it's sort of this, you know, but you can tell when you hear her voice and you hear Van Vest, you're like, oh, I see like a little... What you've done there. Mm. Um, then there's Jenny, of course. Yes. Jenny. Who is not posh. It is an excellent example of opposites attracting in mm. a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and finding complementing ways forward, I yes. guess. The maid slash wife slash cockney fighter. Yes. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I forget if it was in their first appearance. Or maybe it was even deep breath or whatever, but like when they sort of both scaled down from like the roof in their fighting outfits, because I, you know, till then I'd always seen Jenny sort of the maid outfit or whatever, the Victorian clothing, but then she just sort of comes out like this full leather jumpsuit. Yeah. Like kick yep. butt. She is the Victorian Black Widow. Yes. And then you have Strax, <laughs> who is, of course, the, the heavy. Right. Um, but also the comedic relief. Yes. Um, and I think it's interesting, and I don't know whatever the plan was. I mean, they we heard a little bit about maybe perhaps what the plan was, but you know they had all these diverse characters come together, and a good man goes to war with the eleventh Doctor. But then to take you know because Strax died in that episode, really, you know technically, and then he he wasn't together with the other two. They were you know so Jenny and Man and Vaster together, and then Strax, and then you know whatever. But then the idea of like, well, maybe there's something with this trio. Mm. You know, it just works for me. I just think they're lovely. They're <coughs> lovely, and I think that there are loads of things that you could explore with a spinoff for mm-hmm. them. And I think the, the characterizations are interesting. So we talked a little bit about Vaster, because you know the uh, 
with the Silurians, you know, when we saw with the, the two part of the Eleventh Doctor, I'm forgetting the name, because I believe that was Neve as well who played that part. Um, so I guess she was you know, like, oh, you're used to the makeup, we're going to bring you back for it. <laughs> you're not allergic <laughs> to it, it should be fine. Yes. But that, you know, she, you know, the whole, like, oh, similar, you know, she was disturbed by whether well, there's some drilling and, you know, it's going to kill everyone, but then, you know, things went better. And that one thing that I've never heard explained, it always seems to be alluded to the fact that she saved Jenny somehow, but we've never actually gotten that mm. backstory. Not that we need to necessarily, but... You know, and then how they met and, you know, everything. Yeah, I think there's a lot in their relationship that can be explored that's interesting to me. And the fact that they use use the wife language, which is supposed to be somewhat comic. I mean, I mean, not. I mean, that's a relationship. It's not supposed to be funny. But, but yeah, they use but it for comic. They, they use it, yeah, to <laughs> subvert people's expectations but I would a like lot of times. That, you know, this is the Victorian era and they're using wife. So they're... Ha- one would assume there was a marriage, you know, well, you know, legal or not in Victorian uh, England. But anyway, but like, so when, when, how was that done? Yeah. What was their wedding like? That's what I would, yeah, that's, show me that graphic. Maybe novel. the doctor took them off in the TARDIS to the future. That's right. That's right. Because that would be fun. Yeah. I feel like that. And then with Strax, him sort of having the characterization. So, you know, Silurians, excuse me, excuse me. Potato man. <laughs> Suntarans. Thank you. Suntarans can be... I knew I'd get there in the end. <laughs> ...funny in and of themselves, because, you know, they're just sort of one-track, militaristic, not very bright. Um, but he sort of has this sort of uh, irony of that, you know, he was sort of being punished by the doctor by being a nurse. Mm-hmm. And so now he's sort of brought back. So he sort of still has those Suntaran ways, but he also can run a medical scanner and, you know... Yes, and the... And again, he's a butler. The Suntaran instinct of... Right, we are going headlong into this in in fight mode, and then, you know, being pulled back so that he's part of a group and not part of a hive mind, and yeah, I, that's that they're very three dimensional yeah. character wise. Um, I think Jenny is probably the least three dimensional, um, which is why I think there's way more than that can be explored. Yeah. So, to their actual TV appearances, of course, you know, with Doctor Who, there's various and sundry media, uh, mediums to explore. But the TV show, they were introduced, as we said, in A Good Man Goes to War. Then there was The Snowman, the Christmas special, Mm -hmm. which you can talk on. Um, Then there was The Crimson Horror, which is sort of just set in their era. So it is sort of pure Paternoster gang, you know. Uh, Then you have The Name of the Doctor, which is Matt Smith's last turnabout. And then you have Deep Breath. Well, not this last time, because Time of the Doctor, but, you know, penultimate one. And then you have Deep Breath, which is uh, Peter Capaldi's first outing. Yes, yeah. I have been all their TV appearances, at least to date. And so we ended up watching The Snowman, because that was sort of their first long introduction, and sort of in their first time in the Paternoster element that we see. So what did you think about introducing Madame Vastra as basically the Sherlock Holmes? Oh, I love it. The great detective. I love it. Because they are so hyper aware of it, Mm -hmm. you know, and they, and so they use it, Um, you know, she is the thing that Sherlock Holmes is based on in, in this world. Um, And so I think that's great fun. Mm -hmm. I'm perfectly okay with it. Although, if we could possibly get 
a Benedict Cumberbatch crossover, I wouldn't <laughs> be mad at it. And we're both written by Moffat, so exactly. he, he was basically yeah. parroting himself. Yep. Wouldn't that be fun if Sherlock Holmes <laughs> just rocked up? So, I know, wrong era, yes. but still. Yeah, well, yeah. They, they, anyway, but yes. Um, so what did you sort of think of the storyline of the snowman that the gang is sort of sheltering the Doctor? Yeah, I, I like it. I think it makes for a nice interlude in between companions. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that the Doctor is struggling a lot with the fact that he's lost Amy and Rory. Uh, so that makes sense in my head. And then the fact that they're all on board for trying to make him the Doctor again. Yes. Well, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even Strax is like... Uh, when he remembers. <laughs> you know, the dreaded enemy of the moon. <laughs> yeah. Moonies. <laughs> Although I still think my favorite Strax moment is with the forgetful worm. <laughs> doctor's like, get the worm. What worm, sir? I appear to be attacked by a carriage. (laughs) And then he does it again. It's just wonderful. (laughs) And it's a great Clara episode. These are the things that um, I really love about Clara. Mm -hmm. You know, her quick wit, the fact that she jumped on the stagecoach, and, and, you know, this fearlessness uh, that you see with her particularly with Matt Smith, Doctor, mm-hmm. that I think we lose by the time we get to Capaldi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's interesting, because Jenny, I think, always can play the part, because she's the one who can live most in that world, because presumably that is her world. So she's the one that can walk on the street and you know get Clara to stop shouting at the clouds and um, go talk to Madame Vastra. And... I don't know, what do you think about the whole Vastra-Clara interrogation scene? Because it's repeated in deep breath, if you remember, where she puts her veil back on, because Clara's being a little bit of a prat because the doctor changed. And, you know, they sort of have those wicker chair interrogations. It's kind of odd. I mean, whatever. I mean, it's fine. It works, and I see why they do it. You know, because especially for Snowman, you get to the one word being pond, because, you know... Amy and Rory, but anyway. Yeah, I think that it's a fantastic writing device. So it doesn't get too heavy. It doesn't get too dialogue heavy. It shows Madame Vastra's cleverness. It shows Clara's cleverness. It's, and I hesitate even to use this word because at the end of the day, we're watching Doctor Who, mm. but it's wildly unrealistic. <laughs> <laughs> you know? um, but it works. For that that moment, yeah, and I always try to figure out with Madame Vastra, they sort of play how much is she hiding and how much does she just be like, because <laughs> like the moment when uh, the maid's freaking out and she opens the door and she's like, oh yes, I'm six five million dollar Slurin and this is my wife and ah, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know how much she hides behind the veil because like when she's telling uh, the Scotland Yard, you know. Inspector, who's like, oh yes, yes, that that makes sense, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's go. We actually listened to Big Finish, of course, has obviously heard about your enthusiasm and has given Yay. the Paternoster Gang their own box set. I'm sure the first of perhaps many. Fingers and, crossed. That's right. So Heritage One, which I'm not really sure why that's called that, but it um. is. Heritage One was the name of the box set, and there were three stories, as is want to be done in a box set. 
So, um, you know, we can talk about however you want to. There were the cars that ate London, exclamation point. It's totally not about Transformers. And <laughs> You were disappointed, weren't you? A photograph to remember. And then the ghost of Greenwich. 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 Um, Greenwich. Strax is still wanting to know how the Greenwich is involved in this. <laughs> so I'm going with the Strax interpretation. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me even a little bit. Mm-hmm. What jumped out to you about these stories? Um, and did they do it for you? Yeah, I enjoyed them a lot. Uh, the Cars That Ate London has sort of bypassed me a little the bit. The electric cars. Yeah, no, I yeah. remember. I'm remembering bits and pieces and the guy. And I swear we're named Autobots. And I'm like, really? We're doing this? Okay. <laughs> and the guy who was, and there was Tesla and it was a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that one didn't stick in my head as much um i think probably the a photograph to remember was my favorite mm-hmm. dead photographs i thought it interesting how they for the most part chose these sort of victorian era realities you know so you know there were electric cars there were people took photos of dead people being posed in ways that looked made them look alive and so that was sort of taking these little aspects of Real life, and then, you know, making a Doctor Who story out of them. Yeah, and they were coming back as zombies. Right. So, uh, And then you had the ghost of Greenwich, which, uh, you know, was uh, the young guy living forever. and blah, blah, blah. Yes, and that was an interesting, simply because you sort of had the... Temper, the temporal thing with seeing someone who might have died or whatever. Yes, and also the mirror image, like the relationship between the quote-unquote bad guys was not dissimilar to the relationship of the Paternoster mm-hmm. gang. So I liked that. I did oh, like... Yes. I want to go back to the sure. Cars That Ate London, because I, I did like the sort of um, Workers Unite right. sort of stuff. It's coming back to me yeah. in, in drips and drabs. And, you know, taking very early on into the hiring process, deciding where people went mm-hmm. in the building, you know, strikes. Mm-hmm. Labor down, down at the bottom, and yeah, that was interesting. Well, I, I thought it was that, bit. that you're definitely playing your parts because you know Strax can talk to the working men a little, you know, and so he got on with them um, and all yep. that. How did you think of his uh, potato man, though? How did you think of his lessons of, by Jenny <laughs> of learning to speak Cockney? <laughs> that was just a lot of fun, and he was not good at it. So, governor, governor. <laughs> I just love Strax. He's my favorite. Yeah, the ghost, um, the last story was because they basically had a parallel Paternoster gang. I actually forget what they were called. The Something Bunch, another street that starts with B. But yeah, so you had uh, a Solarian, a Sontaran, and a human. And with relationships between two of them. But in that case, you had the Sontaran in charge, uh-huh. who had a... Relationship with the human human. guy, in this case. And the Suntarn was... And then you had another uh, female Solorian, but she was sort of not in charge. So you sort of had that... I thought that was funny, sort of have that mirror experience. Yeah. So you think we should ever see them with the uh, 13th Doctor? I would love to. How much fun would that be? Mm -hmm. I just... Yeah, I hope so. I'm sure they're coming out with a second box set and soon, so maybe... Be like River Song and uh, 
and Captain Jack. They're just a go-to. Yeah. And I'm sure they enjoy it because they can do all those characters but not have to sit in makeup for three to four hours. Absolutely. Although um, the woman who plays Madame Vastra did talk about the change in, like, the makeup changes the way you speak Mm -hmm. because it's all the makeup. And so having to rethink some of those choices, you know, and make make it work without the makeup. Yeah. Having to force yourself to make those mouth movements that the yeah. prosthetics otherwise do naturally for you. Yeah. Well, any final th- thoughts about the Paternoster game? I can't wait to see them again. Well, with that, we'll go to Into the TARDIS Library. Hey, Mel. Bri here. Gotta work from home today because the whole family caught a nasty... Hey, Mikey, if you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl! But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold but hot. Uh, but I'm gonna get you that budget. Just as soon as... I... Mikey, popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart, Brian. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. When you close your eyes... I go to the library... Go to the library now. Well, with this entry, we did a big finished production again uh, since we were in the car. And this was The Chimes at Midnight, an Eighth Doctor adventure. And this was released February of 2002. Would you like to read the synopsis? I would. "'Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the house not a creature was stirring. But something must be stirring." Something hidden in the shadows. Something which kills the servants of an old Edwardian mansion in the most brutal and macabre manner possible. Exactly on the chiming of the hour, every hour, as the grandfather clock ticks on towards midnight. Trapped and afraid, the doctor and Charlie are forced to play detective to murders with no motive, where even the victims don't stay dead. Time is running out. And time itself might well be the killer. Dun, dun, dun. So what did you think of this serial? Yeah, it was interesting. I, I liked it because it felt a little bit upstairs, downstairs. A, bit, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But also played out the tropes. Like, I liked the fact that at the beginning when they break through the time thing and everybody's like, oh, yes, you're the police inspector. <laughs> and and Charlie's like, oh, man, I wish we'd been the amateur detectives, like in the books. Mm-hmm. And then the next go-round, it's like, ah, oh, you're the best amateur detectives <laughs> in town. So I enjoyed the sort of tongue-in-cheek feel to it mm-hmm. about things like that. It There were places, like when it got to the end... And Charlie got mixed up into it. It felt a little messy. Mm -hmm. And slightly unnecessary, although I understand that they're leading us to a point in Charlie's history. Because the logic is, when she's slipping in and out, how is she getting out? Because there's a portion, well, not early on, but maybe midway through, you know, don't eat the plum pudding (laughs) in this episode. Mm -hmm. But when she does, and she sort of then enters the story... And then it's like, it's not clear other than just, you know, oh, at this point in the story, she, you know, gets out of it. You know. Yeah. So like, oh, no, wait, I'm out of it now. And so it's like, okay, well. Yeah. And like I say, this is part of, or it's my understanding that this is part of a greater arc mm-hmm. in figuring out Charlie's 
what happened. Status. Status, yeah. Because we saw the, not the Hindenburg, but the... Yeah, the whatever airship, whatever it was. Dirigible. Yes. Um, already, and so we know bits and pieces about the idea that she's supposed to be dead, but isn't, and mm-hmm. so does she stay dead? And that comes into play in a way that still felt a little stilted. You know, the right. the scullery maid being like, "You're my, you were my best friend, and you died, so I killed myself." Yeah, felt. Yeah, I mean, you know, to be sure, contrived. even Charlie was like, "I don't really think you should have done that." But okay. yeah, I was dumb. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, on multiple levels. Uh, yeah, I thought I was worried at some point because I don't know, you know, the story going into it, other than I heard it was a good one, mm. and so when it got conceptual by like. The end of episode two or the beginning of episode three, I was like, okay, this is, I don't know, it could go a few ways, because it's sort of getting a little, um, you know, crazy. I mean, in, in a good way, but just sort of a conceptual plot of, mm. like, you know, paradox and plots and time, and that those characters aren't really the real characters, and the house is a character, and... Time loop. And, and, and et cetera, et cetera. So I was like, okay, a little... But, I mean, I do like the idea that when the Doctor rescued uh, Charlie, that, you know, maybe... That messed with time. Yes. So. Because that's something that. Maybe her death's a fixed point in time that he messed with or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it got a little bit stilted there with the whole I killed myself because of you and Mm. now that you're not dead, what do I do? That sort of thing. But overall, I really quite enjoyed it. It it felt, for the most part, a little bit light. Um, there was some nice humor. I enjoyed the writing on this one. Yes, yes. And yeah, I thought it was a good eighth Doctor one. Um, I heard it was like this really good episode. And it was all right. I mean, I think there have been better ones we've, we've heard. But I mean, I'd say like, you know, on like a one to ten, it's like a six, seven, you know. Yeah. Great. Yeah, I quite enjoyed good. it. Again, a good I, plus. it leaves me wanting to know more about the Charlie story. Right. Which I'm sure we'll get. But yes. Yeah. No, absolutely. But that's the whole point, is it? isn't it to bring you back for the next episode and it did for me yeah that's the interesting thing at least for us you know this being our first time through uh eighth doctor big finish you know how they're doing that arc and how much is standalone and all that stuff Mm -hmm. so yeah should be interesting yeah all right we just want to remind everyone that if you have any comments on this episode you can leave it on our facebook page or on twitter and or you can always tweet us individually. And we want to thank Wally and the Sonnots for always providing us with our jazz Doctor Who theme tune cover that they provided. Which we should listen to every time we do a podcast, because I haven't heard it in a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, until next week, enjoy listening, watching, and reading about the Doctor's adventures throughout time, time and space. <laughs> This is BBC Television.